Hey everybody, I'm sitting here at the Union Hall with retired firefighter Don Porth. Hey Don, can you just give us, everyone out there, a little background about you and your history with the department? Because I know a lot of people do know who you are. You've been around, you're still involved with the union and so forth, but not everybody has probably met you. A lot of new firefighters out there. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, you bet. And uh, thanks for the opportunity to sure. share today. Uh, I began in July of 1984. I actually, because of some college classes I took, I was very close to having my hazardous materials certification. So I actually, uh, before my other uh, trainee friends, uh, landed a spot sooner because of my uh, mm -hmm. certification for hazmat. Where did you spend most of your time on the line? Uh, well, in various places around. I spent a couple of years with uh, the hazmat team, which was at 16s, and then we, we developed the, the two-station concept, which uh, was 7s, what we now know as 21s. Uh, we worked those two those uh -huh. two places. So, and uh, how long did you work? When when did you retire? Well, I retired in 2011, July of 2011. Mm -hmm. But it was in 1990 that I went into the fire marshal's office uh -huh. and was assigned to pub ed from right from the onset. Oh, from the beginning. Yeah, uh, I spent about a month as an inspector before the position opened up. Yeah. Uh, Steve Muir was in the position of the youth fire setting in, uh, program manager, and I was coming in really to fill that spot. Right. And so I went through some inspector training, and then he left to go back out on the line as a lieutenant. I filled his spot, and I spent the next 21 years there. So I started in 2006. So I always sort of thought of you as associated with uh, Belmont House. Well, yeah, and that's, yeah. and that's where I was. And that was a fantastic job developing that place. It was, it was wonderful to develop the history and really install it into that building and be able to salvage it because it was one of those stations. Most of the, most of the new stations that were built during that uh, bond project Right. Uh, if a new if a new station were built, the the cost was uh, offset by the sale of the old station, and Belmont was an exception to that because mostly because of a deal that Gretchen Kafori, our fire commissioner back in the in the nineties, uh, uh, yeah. uh, kind of brokered a deal, and she's the one that really uh, really kind of made that happen, and and John Clem as well. Right. So um, many people know this, but I'll uh, let others who don't. Don has been very involved as a historian for uh, the Bureau and for the Union. And if you come into the Union Hall here, in the uh, store, there's a couple of books up that, um, the first one is from the uh, Images of America, sort of a pictorial history of Portland Fire and Rescue that you did with Brian Johnson. Um, it's pretty cool to look through if you come into the store and check that out. And there's also history of Portland Fire and Rescue that is, I don't know, it's probably Inch and inch over an inch of paper. It's a lot, a lot of, a lot of our history going all the way back to the beginning. Two hundred and eighty-six pages. Okay, <laughs> or give or take. <laughs> give or take. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So let's sort of pivot here, a tiny bit, towards some of the um, sort of the main reason that we're here talking today, and it is, it is certainly connected to the work you've done in the historical uh, aspects of of our bureau. Um, David Campbell. He's certainly one of the central figures in our history here in Portland. And we all know that there is a memorial plaza, I guess you call it. There's the memorial and the plaza, which is uh, downtown, and also the park, which is that slight, that grassy area behind. There was some complaints made by a neighbor across the street from the park about some of the, the uh, activities that were taking place there and how dirty it was. And we all know this. We all know that it's, it's just kind of um, a little spot for the homeless, and it's not pretty, and it's, there's been issues with uh, upkeep. So... 
Uh, fast forward a little bit. These complaints were made. You heard about it through, how did you hear about that, the complaints? Actually from a radio reporter. I was doing a story. Uh-huh. Uh, I was being interviewed for a story on the firefighter section over at Lone Fur, and she brought it to my attention. And I'm, I'm really glad because I, I'm glad she didn't do a story on it. Uh, yeah. I think that would have been a bit embarrassing for all of us. Yeah. Okay, so and I'm gonna I'm gonna sort of back up a little bit too. So we ta- we're talking I'm t- gonna talk about the David Campbell Memorial and also about Lone Fur Cemetery. Both these areas need some help, need some maintenance, and we're looking to set up a program, or you're hoping to spearhead a program that make uh, that may utilize current working firefighters and a retired firefighter or two to do some biannual inspections to just help try and help get these. A little bit up to speed. So, can you just give a little bit of history about ownership of the park, how that affects who's going to get work done, and just a general 10,000 foot view of what would you like to see if we could get this going? Yeah, so just touching on the David Campbell Memorial itself, uh, we all know the story of David Campbell, and, yeah. and he lost his life in 1911 in the Union Oil Fire. So within days of that event, the community really rallied, and they, they already identified a couple of things that they wanted to do. Um, on, in David Campbell's name. It really wasn't the fire service that, that uh, had any big ideas. It was the community because he was much more than a fire chief in this community. And so uh, there were really two things. One was, a, one was really a benevolent fund to help firefighters who were, who were injured, like a pension fund. Uh-huh. But the other was a tribute in his name, which ended up being the David Campbell Memorial down there at uh, 18th, 19th, and, and Burnside. Right. And so... Uh, um, it took it took uh, 17 years for the money and the design to be put together before it would actually be built, uh, but it was really on the backs of the citizens, not the uh, the firefighters. So I think it was June 28th of uh, of uh, 1928 when the memorial was unveiled, and there it was. Now back when it was built, it was simply a triangle in the middle of the intersection. Uh-huh. There, it was. It was an, literally an island, and that is the elevated portion that we now know as the David Campbell Memorial and the, the plaza that it sits within. It wasn't until sometime later, I think in the '60s, that they added the park area around it, the area where the bell sits, the grass grows, uh-huh. and the trees are. None of those existed when it was first built. Okay. So there are two separate features. There's the uh, the the David Campbell Memorial that sits in the plaza, yep. the elevated portion, and there's Portland Firefighter Park, which wraps around it on on three sides or two sides however you want to figure it yeah it has the bell the grass and the trees back up until the up until the late 1980s the david campbell memorial association really had ownership of the david campbell memorial they were responsible to take care of it to upkeep clean and everything else Mm -hmm. Uh, for whatever reason at that time they signed it over to the city for its care now, I have to imagine it was probably because it had become too big of a job for a volunteer association of just a few people. Yeah. Uh, it wasn't common to be adding names to it. You know, the, the activity of the association wasn't much. So they probably thought it was a good thing or somebody, somebody involved in it all said, yes, the city will take care of it. Fast forward to 2010, uh, there may have been some angst or something. I don't know. I really don't remember much about it. But in 2010, the city has a resolution on file passed by city council that says the responsibility for care and upkeep of it would be put would be placed in Portland Bureau of Transportation mm-hmm. and Portland Parks. Okay. And fire is not mentioned in that at all. And right. it's not really clear why that is. So anyway, um, 
recently, I, as you mentioned, uh, I became aware of a neighbor that had been filing complaints, and I got to know this person, and uh, we've done a lot of communication. He shared with me the things that are going on that he sees regularly out his window, and it was disturbing to me because this is an important place. It's yeah. not just important to the firefighters. It's important to the city, and it's, uh, it needs to be cared for, and the question is who is going to do it? And if you think about the David Campbell Memorial, who should care more than Portland firefighters? Both, Absolutely. Both today Absolutely. and of yesteryear currently working members and retirees. I think we can leverage both fire, uh, Bureau of Transportation and Parks to do repairs, but I think identifying them and, and leading the horse to water, right. I think it will right. drink, right. <laughs> if, if that makes some sense. And, and I kind of come to this conclusion because of my work over at Lone Fir Cemetery in the firefighter section. Yeah. So for those of you that might not be aware, in Lone Fir, there's a 100 by 100 foot section that was actually deeded to the fire department in 1862 by the property owner at the time. He apparently had a, a fondness for Portland firefighters and made this an exclusive free burial site for Portland firefighters from that point on. I have a copy of the deed. Mm -hmm. uh, it's, it's an interesting document. Yep. Twelve of the 36 names that were on the David Campbell Memorial are buried right there in the firefighter section of Lone Fir. Mm -hmm. And so that inspired me to, to document a little bit more. And as I started looking at the layout of the graves and looking at old maps and an inventory who was buried there, I found out there were 17 grave markers that were missing. Hmm. 17 grave markers, hmm. no longer there. Now, again, working with the cemetery folks, I realized that sometimes they just sink into the ground. Right. Well, I got out there with an 18-inch screwdriver and started probing around, and I found eight of the 17. Right. They had just nice. sunk into the ground. Right. Got those dug up and, uh, and, and put into place. But in 2014, unable to find the others, I called on uh, Local 43, and you guys generously came up with the funding to replace those other nine grave markers with proper grave markers and add 12 more to commemorate the line of duty deaths that were right. there. So anybody that. walking through can know the, the, uh, right. the uh, importance right. of those people. I think it's pretty important to mention, <clears throat> I'm sure you'll re reiterate this, not a huge ask. It's twice, twice a year, take a few hours in the afternoon to go and just sort of run through this. So can you just speak a little bit about your thoughts about what this position entails and um, what you would like to see happen? Yeah, so, you know, you're very right. I, I, it occurred to me that we keep buildings in, in good order for a long time. We have several buildings in the Fire Bureau that are 100 years old. Belmont Firehouse, Station 28, they're over 100 years old. Yep. Uh, Station 11, 26, and 15, uh, even though they've gone undergone extensive remodels, they've lasted close to 100 years. Uh, so how does that happen? Well, they're inspected regularly to bring the needs up to an awareness where they can be fixed. That's a lot different than, than putting in a 536 and, and nothing happens and six months later putting in another one and, you know, kind of on it goes, you know, and then it maybe it gets forgotten because somebody gets transferred, moved, you know, whatever happens. Uh, that's been kind of the deal for a lot of years. So in thinking about these two locations, the firefighter section and the David Campbell Memorial Plaza, uh, what do they have in common? They're, they're hollow, hallowed grounds. They are tributes to, to days and people gone by. Mm -hmm. And it's important that we remember that. And I, it, we talked about this a little bit earlier about how fragile history is. So easy to forget that even, even Local 43, 
uh, doesn't have a, a comprehensive list of all the presidents in the last 102 years. Yep. Sorry to call you guys out on that, <laughs> but but it's it, it just is, and it's odd that that would be because that it shouldn't be that hard. But things are so easily forgotten, unless yeah, that's true. Unless they are institutionalized in a way, kind of like station inspections, where this time period comes up, we call on some people that are that are willing to do the work. They step up and do it, and then we and then we figure out, okay, we have five things that really need to be done. How can we do that? Yeah, and I feel like it's probably important to mention that we're not talking about going and, and reporting needles in no. human feces. We're talking about the things that are more of the structure or the part that maybe yeah. whether it's pressure washing, whether you, the, the lanterns you talked about that are over there at the firefighter plaza. Yeah. Um, that need new lenses. They need, I mean, there are things that are more structural that are not so transient as the transients yeah. um, that really could help. Um, at least the initial steps to getting it standing taller. Because even if we do move across the river, when we move across the river, that that plaza will still be standing there to some degree having some sort of connection with firefighters of Portland. Is that, is that correct? Yeah, in fact, it'll be absolutely intact as we see it today. Nothing about it will change. It cannot because it's the, on the National Registry of Historic Places with the National Park Service. But the bell is supposed to move. The bell is not part of the David Campbell Memorial okay. Plaza. So okay. the bell is intended to move. And, right. and I think it should because what it really is right now is a shelter. <laughs> and yes. We, and we know how shelters <laughs> in downtown Portland tend to get used. The, what are you the, talking about? The one good thing about the plaza itself is it's not a, an enclosure. Yeah. Uh, so it, it, it has that advantage. So the lanterns make a really good example of something that can be done. Well, let me let me back that up. The the missing grave markers were a great example. Right. And there was a way to fix that. Right. Uh, but it's you know it's not as easy as saying hey one family comes forward and says I can't find my grave marker of my relative. It was much easier collectively to say hey these are all missing. How can we fix that? How can we make it right? Right. Because the families aren't even available in some cases to step up and make good on their on their ancestor. And mm -hmm. I was so proud that, that we did that as a body of, of professionals, that our professional family over you know, the last decades. Uh, so the lanterns up at the David Campbell Memorial are a great example. The lenses are cracked, and I think one is even missing. Um, you know, is Peabot going to go out and shop around to say we need to fix those lanterns? Where are we going to get the glass made and done and all yeah. that? You know, I don't expect they care enough. They'd probably just cardboard over it or do some you know, half-baked repair. But we should care. Those lanterns are very special and very unique if you get into the architecture of the, of the project. And so I can see, you know, maybe this, this committee, this body that we have, uh, take that under their wing. They do the research. They find a resource in town who can reproduce those. They find out what it's going to cost. And then we take that forward uh, to the Fire Bureau, Bureau of Transportation and Parks, and we say, this is what it costs. This is where it can be done. All we need to do is place the order. Who's going to pay for it? Right. And I don't think that will be a, a tough pull because it's much easier to have a few bucks than it is to put human effort and resources into it by these bureaus, especially the other bureaus that are only mildly connected to this. When I first put in a call to Parks and Peabot, uh, they wouldn't return my calls. I really had to keep after them. And when I finally told them, look, I'm not here to dump on you guys. Right. I'm here to find a way we can all work together. And they were quite happy to hear that. Right on. Right on. So let's get right down to it. We need some people out there to step up. Just let us know if you're interested. If this resonates with anybody out there, um, start talking to your friends and then talk to somebody um, on the e-board and we'll get you hooked up with Don and hopefully we can get, get a group of people 
doesn't have to be a huge group, but a couple people who can say, yeah, I'll do that for, for a little while and see how it goes. And um, it's not a big ask as far as time commitment. And the more you learn about these things, really the more engaging it is. I, again, I was never a history buff. That wasn't my thing. But these stories are just too good too good to deny. Our history is too rich and too important. And I'm not going to be around forever. Right. You know, at some point I want... I want the effort that I'm putting in to fall into good hands where right. it can be carried forward, not shoved in a back room, lost again for 50 years where somebody has to try to revive it. Right. Would you be okay with um, putting some information on this or how the people get in touch with you if they want to just contact you directly? Is that okay yeah. with you? Yeah, no, that's fine. Let me let me give my phone number here and, and uh, my email address, and I would welcome that. So uh, ready your pens and pencils if uh. you like. Uh, but my phone number is 503 zero five eight four eight two and my uh, email address is don at preventthink.com but you can always call nicole down here at the union office she knows sure. how to get a hold of me yep. uh, i'm also now the president of the uh, retired firefighters and widows association so uh, uh, you know, this is another thing I'm trying to do to, to maintain a connection between our working members and our retired members. I think it's important. I think, you know, there's some people that want to leave and be mm -hmm. done with it all. Yeah. There's others that want to maintain connections yeah. and, and such. And uh, I'm just trying to improve communications. When members pass, it's, yeah. it's generally, a, um, you know, something that people really want to want to know about as yeah. much as they don't want to know about yeah. it. Uh, yeah. It's old friends and such. And and, you know, there's, uh, I think John Durr was doing a, a study on retirees and the incidence of cancer. And so yeah. we have a mechanism to reach out and keep connected. I think that's very important information, yeah. especially for working members. So there's all kinds of reasons why all of these things tie together. And I'm, I'm happy to be a part of all of that. And hopefully it creates some synergy that, that makes a lot of things happen. Well, we all benefit from your continued work and your continued involvement. So thank you for doing that. And um, yeah, thanks. Thank you, everybody.